Good morning. My name is Katie Ruth, and I am a junior at Riverview High School. It is wonderful to be in worship with you this morning. Let us pray. We await your message, God of all places and times. Sometimes we do not like what we hear, but we know we need to listen. Your message is inclusive and fair, while we like to make distinctions that favor us and our friends. You call us out of, your comfort, of our comfort zones to do new things and try better ways. You direct us to reach out to people with whom we seem to have little in common. Speak your truth to us in this service so we can carry it to the places where you want us to go, to the people you are eager to reach. Amen. Now let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship.
For God alone, our souls wait in silence. Our hope is from God, our fortress. God is our rock and our salvation. God is our refuge and deliverance. Trust in God at all times, in all places. Pour out your hearts to the one who hears. All people are valuable in God's sight. No one is, no one is more important than another. Worship God, who is ready to speak to us. Open your lives to God's steadfast love. All power in the universe belongs to God. Yet God depends on our faithful service. God's word sometimes comes as a warning. How often we have pushed aside the word we find unpleasant. Even if we grudgingly acknowledge its truth, we like to postpone any action to change. God comes to us today saying that our days are fewer than we think. The time for us to repent is now. Sovereign God, we reluctantly confess that we have installed our own gods in our lives. They take our time. They use our resources. They exact from us care and devotion. We do not like to hear that our way of life is endangered. 
Yet we sometimes realize that innocent steps in the self-indulgence are really deliberate strides away from you. We hear distant echoes of warning and judgment. Oh God, we want to return you before it's too late. We repent of everything in our lives that cuts us from you. Hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you, in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. And now, let us say what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now we invite you to turn and say hello to those around you. Good morning. Well, if you haven't figured it out by now, it's Student Ministry Sunday. And I'm not the student, so. But we are grateful for this a great day, and we'll get to more of that in a moment. But we do want to welcome you to our life here at Church of the Palms. We hope that uh, if you are a visitor with us today, that you will find this to be a place of 
welcome and that you will know that uh, we are about a common mission of equipping disciples for the service of Christ. So we hope that you will want to come back and join us, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout the week. Our bulletin is full of many, many opportunities that you can be a part of our life here at Church of the Palms. We would love for you to fill out the friendship pads, which are in the pew, and uh, note those folks who are sitting near you. That way, maybe we can continue what conversation we just begun later into the morning. We always invite you underneath the tree. It's going to be a beautiful day out there. A little coffee and a little chance to catch up and hopefully start new friendships. We'd love for you to note that if you are, again, visiting with us today, that we have a new members class right after the service over in the chapel at 1015. So come and join us. Uh, we would love to just share with you a little bit more about what is going on here at Church of the Palms and and that way you may be more informed as to whether or not you would like to be officially a part of us as members. And of course, you can always be a part of our ministry uh, even without being a member. So we'd love to have you learn more about what we're doing. We had a great start to our Wednesday uh, classes and worship on Wednesday night. We had a, a good full house in the Campus Center for dinner. And uh, we had some great classes taught by Jan Hunt and Minky Brown and our new Oasis worship service led by Bruce Hedgepeth. So we invite you to come and join us for all those opportunities on Wednesday night as we continue to equip ourselves as disciples. We would uh, love for you also to be mindful of the class this evening. We have a class called Life's Difficult Questions being taught by myself here at five o'clock. So come and join us. Many of you have submitted questions. Um, very intimidating questions, so, um, but all the answers will be provided, so, uh, <laughs> um, but come and join us at five o'clock uh, this evening. We have a congregational meeting coming up in two weeks, and this is a, a great time for us to look back and rejoice upon the year past, and we have lots to be thankful for in this past year for what has happened here at Church of the Palms, and we look ahead to the coming year for all the opportunities and challenges that face us. We elect new officers, so come join us for that. New eight o'clock service for those of you who are back down uh, with us since uh, being away for uh, the summer. We have a new eight o'clock service here at Church of the Palms in the, in the chapel, a small intimate a time of communion and a reflection and hearing this, the preached word. We would love to have you come and join us for that as well. And then lastly, uh, John White, a member of our choir, passed away just recently, and his service is going to be this Tuesday at 3 o'clock in the afternoon here in the sanctuary. As I mentioned, it's Student Ministry Sunday, and Jeff McCauley, our Director of Student Ministry, is going to share with us a little bit about what that means. It's hard to believe it, but two years ago today, Kim and I began our journey south from Raleigh, North Carolina to sunny Sarasota, Florida with a seven-day-old Lucy in tow to enter into the next chapter of the story God is writing with our lives. We never could have imagined the ways in which he would reveal himself to us here at Church of the Palms. Leading this ministry has been one of the great joys of my life. Our incredible students make it easy by just being them who God created them to be. Full of love, joy, laughter, and a deep commitment to serve Jesus. A smile from one of these students can make anyone's day. Another reason this time has been incredible is because of you, the way in which you, the church, have supported our students, not only making them feel like they are a part of it, but going above and beyond to mentor them, guide them, and provide opportunities 
for them to find their place in God's story. The sponsorship program at Church of the Palms is unlike any other partnership I've seen in the years I have been doing ministry. Through the gift of your time, talents, and treasure, our students are given the opportunity to fully encounter God and engage in his work in the world. With that said, it's time for our 2015 Student Ministry Sponsor Program. Its four-year success has been extraordinary because of your support. Each year, over 200 sponsors have connected with our students in their journey of faith. The Student Ministry Sponsorship Program is designed to build connections between adults and students, sixth grade to 12th grade. As a sponsor, you will make a difference in a student's life with your investment, whether prayer, volunteering, financial means, or all three. You will be blessed as you learn more about them and what they are doing to serve Christ in our community, nation, and world. You are key in molding our student disciples for the service of Christ. You will find cards in your pew rack that will give you the opportunity to give financially, prayerfully, or through your time. We invite each of you to be a part of this. Your $72, your prayers, your time given, they all contribute to the eternal implications of what we do. Without you, none of this would be possible. So go ahead, take one. Take one for your friend. Fill it out and bring it back next week to place in the offering plate with your gift. If there aren't enough cards in the pew racks, our student greeters will have them as you exit the sanctuary at all the doors. But you're tired of hearing from me. You need to hear from them. In just a few minutes, you're gonna hear from Rachel Mallett, one of our freshman students. But first, I'd like to introduce you to Jack Kirsch, another freshman who's gonna share his story with you this morning. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Jack Kirsch, and I'm a freshman at Pine View. Uh, and I had acute lymphoblastic leukemia from ages three to five. And a lot of people might say, like, um, like, this is all God's plan for you, or God never gives you more than you can handle. But I personally believe that my sickness wasn't not God's doing. On the other hand, I see God through the people that he gifted me with. For example, my amazing parents who suffered through every bit as much as I did, or my incredible grandmother who moved her life up to Michigan for nine months to take care of my little brother while I went through treatment, or through my aunts, uncles, cousins, and everybody in Michigan who dropped everything and uh, was willing to take care of me. Um, I see God not as causing my cancer, but rather shielding me from the memories. I hardly remember anything about that time anymore. Uh, and only the only memories I do have are the happy ones, like playing on the hospital playground or watching movies with my mom in the hospital room or my caring and nice and wonderful doctors. I don't remember any of the pain or the medication or the tiredness. And I feel as though that's uh, thanks to God. I never realized any of this until I joined the church last year. Um, I'd always disliked coming to church. Maybe it was because I had to wake up early. or <laughs> But it's probably just because I was young and didn't really understand. I went through comp confirmation last year and made some of the best friends at this church that I will ever have in my life. And my bond only grew stronger when I attended Montreat last year. It was there that I became aware of God's presence in my past. 
I began to see him in nature, in my friends, in my family. Um, and today I'm happy and hold no painful memories from that period of my life, only what I am told. I am forever thankful for the people who helped me through it, including God himself. Thank you.
Let us pray. Lord God, you revealed your Son in the waters of the Jordan, anointed him with the power of the Holy Spirit to proclaim good news to all people. Sanctify us by the same Spirit, that we may proclaim the healing power of the gospel by acts of love in your name. In the Spirit's power and the waters of rebirth, Jesus was declared your blessed and beloved Son. May we recall our baptism and be disciples of the Anointed One. Lord, in our baptism you have called us to you. Hear now the prayers we say and the words we say together as we pray the way you taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For a long time, I thought of my testimony as relatively boring. I've been at Church of the Palms since I was one. I loved it, but I often hear these stories of others' amazing transitions. They were interesting, and everything became clear to them in a single moment. They were thrilling, but I never had that, and I gotta say, I was a bit jealous. But at Montreat this summer, my view of this completely changed. During one of the keynotes in the morning, a guy was telling us about how he had come from a family of strong faith and grew up in the church. He had always known God and loved him, and of course his faith did continue to grow. But like me, he wanted one of those cool testimonies, and one day he was telling someone about it. Well, the church worked on you, was their response, and his perspective completely flipped. That is honestly a genius answer, and it's so true. I had never thought of it like that. Well, that's my testimony. The church worked on me. And I don't think there is a better church to do that for me than right here at Church of the Palms. I love this place half as much as I love God. As a child, I loved listening to the sermons, and when I finally got to be old enough to join the youth group, the summer trips, retreats, and lock-ins were all experiences that kept my faith growing, and I have memories that I can never forget. This church has done so much for me. God is my whole life. Every decision I make, all the things I stress about, and every joyful moment, I try to incorporate God. He is a part of every single tiny detail of our lives and of those we do and don't know. The youth group and this church as a whole keeps me stable and growing in my faith, rooted and reaching, and is a constant reminder that everything I do in my life is for our Father. I get distracted from my faith a lot, but all the compilations of Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, and everything in between is what keeps me going in the right direction. I've grown to know so many amazing men and women in the church that are always there to inspire me and keep me stable. Right here is my home, and I can never thank you all enough for having so much support in our youth ministry. Your time and money is most certainly not going to waste. You're changing lives. You guys are practically superheroes. And although I may not have one of those amazing moments where it all just clicks, I do have experiences with our youth group and others in the church that have changed my life.
I've even learned to branch outside of the church. At Montreal, I made two amazing best friends, and we have constantly been there to hold each other accountable and be each other's sisters in Christ. Within the youth group, it's actually pretty great to cry in one big giant group during prayer stations at our confirmation lock-in. Thank you everyone for those incredible moments and experiences and the many more to come. We'll continue our worship now through the presentation of our tithes, gifts, and offerings.
let us pray. Dear God, I've given my life to you. You have called me. You have called my name. My trust lies completely with you. Lord, you have paved a path for me to follow. I thank you for everything you've given me. I thank you for every unique individual you have placed here on earth. Every breath I breathe belongs to you. You are my light, and you will never shed darkness. We thank you, Lord, and dedicate these gifts to your greater cause in the world. We love you so much. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We now invite the children to come forward for the children's moment. Good morning. If you guys could all sit down here, we've got a special guest. I'm going to have you guys sit down on this on this bottom level here, right here, okay? And then my friends are going to come up here. Come on, sit down on this set, on these steps down here. How's everybody today? Today we get to celebrate a really special baptism. What are the, some of the things that we need for a baptism? What do you think? Can you scoot this way a little bit? Water, yeah, we need water. Yes, Maddie. Bath toys. Well, maybe, um, maybe after. <laughs> I need you. Well, we. What else do you think we need to to have a baptism? What do you think we need? Um, somebody to to do the baptism, like a pastor, right? And then, what else do you think we would need for? A, what do you think? A baby, we would need a baby, or sometimes we, you know, we don't just baptize babies, a person to be baptized. And then we need, in our church, we need a church family, a church family to say, yes, we will, um, we will walk with this person and help this person with his or her faith. Yep. Well, today is the day we celebrate Jesus' baptism. Now, Jesus, he wasn't a baby when he was baptized. Nope, nope. So a long time ago, a long time ago, John the Baptist was um, preaching out in the desert. Hello, John. John. Now, John wore crazy clothes like camel hair. And you know, you know what he ate? He ate locusts and wild honey. Yep. Well, when people would come to um, John <laughs> and they would admit their sins, he would baptize them with, in, in the river. <laughs> and you know what he would use to baptize them? Water. Water, right. I don't think it was, I don't think, all right, we get it, John, that's enough. <laughs> I don't think it was bottled water. No? Mm -mm. Actually, John would baptize people in the river called the Jordan River. Yeah? And then one day, then one day, Jesus, hey, Jesus, Jesus came to John, and he said, Hey, John, will you baptize me? Wow. Jesus, I am not even worthy to untie your shoes. John, this is the way it's supposed to be. It carries out God's holy plan. All right, Jesus. Ah, uh, easy. The way it was planned, John, in the river. This is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. Did you hear that? God just announced that Jesus was beloved. Yes, Jesus was beloved to God as God's son. 
And we know that we are children of God too, and God loves us, and we are beloved. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what love the Father has given us that we should be called the children of God, and that is what we are. Yes, we are all children of God, and we are loved. Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for loving us, each, each one of us. Help us to share that love with everyone in our path this week. Amen. Please be seated. Our scripture lesson today comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judah, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locust and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all of Judah were going out to him in all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the ax is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
I baptize you with the water for repentance, but one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and will gather his wheat into the granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I made a big mistake this week. I scheduled myself to speak after all these people. <laughs> these wonderful performers and testimonies and sharing of their stories. Uh, we owe them a big round of applause, huh? How about that, huh? Yeah. <laughs> now to the anticlimactic part of the service. Let us pray. By your grace, O Lord, the church has worked on us. Your Holy Spirit has worked on us. Your Son, Jesus Christ, has invited us into a relationship with you. We are grateful whether you've come to us when we're young or whether you've come to us when we're old, you come to us. And we pray, O God, that we may hear again your word your invitation to walk with you into the rivers of baptism and beyond to rejoice that we are your children. Allow these words to point to that word made flesh in Jesus Christ. We pray this in his name, amen. Red Klotz died this past year. Red Klotz was 93 years old. His picture is on the cover of your bulletin. I've just lost you for the next 10 seconds. <laughs> Red Klotz may not be a name you've ever heard, and he was glad for that to be the case. Red Klotz was the founder and player and manager and coach of a basketball team called the Washington Generals. The Washington Generals are the team that Red Klotz organized to be the perennial opposition to the world-famous Harlem Globetrotters, the comedic basketball phenoms. Every time the Harlem Globetrotters play, and they're still playing, they play the Washington Generals. And every time, the Globetrotters beat the Generals. Now, the Washington Generals have always been a very good team. It's a team always filled with former college players and NBA players. Red Klotz himself played on the championship Baltimore Bullets back in the 1940s. But the whole purpose of Red Klotz and the Washington Generals was to make the Harlem Globetrotters look good. Meadowlark Lemon, your Curly Neal, Goose Tatum, and even Wilt Chamberlain for a time, and all the rest of them would perform their antics on the court, and the generals would be the straight guys, the guys that help make the Globetrotters funny. For the Globetrotters to look so good, the generals had to look a little foolish, said Klotz. Laurel had his Hardy, Lewis had Martin, Costello had Abbott, and the Trotters had us. 
purpose of it all was for the generals to come into second, always to the Globetrotters first, except one night back in 1971 when Red Klotz by accident made a shot he wasn't supposed to make and the generals won. <laughs> Never has a man felt so bad about winning. The Globetrotters didn't mind. Years later, the incomparable Metalark Lemon said this about Red Klotz, if anybody calls Red a loser, they're missing the point. When a Globetrotter game is over, folks never remember the final score. People only remember the laughter. Red Klotz may have lost almost every game, but he wasn't a loser because he understood that he was a part of something bigger. So maybe with leather girdle and camel's hair and locust diet, John the Baptist was setting himself up to be seen as a loser. Out there in the Judean desert, the voice crying in the wilderness, inviting whoever would listen to receive the baptism of repentance, calling religious leaders a bunch of snakes. Talk about marginalizing yourself. Talk about the highway to oblivion. Talk about never getting yourself on the cover of People magazine. John the Baptist, in the eyes of many, was walking around with a big L on his forehead, loser. It's interesting that the good news begins with a loser. Interesting that of all the Advent figures, with the exception of Jesus himself, John the Baptist is the only one who appears in all the gospel Advent stories. Doesn't get onto our Christmas cards, doesn't get into our Christmas mangers, but he gets into every Advent story. Not that he would have wanted it that way. The whole point was for John to point to someone else. But there, there's something about John the Baptist, the pointer, that tells us something about the kingdom of heaven that was at hand, Jesus said. It's how the gospel starts. It starts with those who see themselves as a part of a much larger story. The gospel starts when people, as unique and as special as they may be, see themselves as a part of God's greater unfolding purpose. It's that way from the very beginning in the gospel of Matthew. Matthew starts his gospel by reminding us of this enormous story, four paragraphs he tells us in chapter one, of all the generations that preceded Jesus, the 14 generations from Adam to David, the 14 generations from David to the exile, the 14 generations from the exile to Joseph, the father of Jesus, generation after generation after generation of these people who were characters in the great big story of God. And then comes Joseph with pregnant fiance. He's happy to bow out of this story, save his own reputation and pride. But the angel says, no, 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 Joseph, you're in the story. You're in the story, take Mary as your wife, and the good news for Joseph was that he saw himself as a part of the bigger story, and he submitted to the angel's will. The wise men follow the star, and what does Matthew tell us? Oh, they knelt and bowed down and worshiped because they saw their lives and their gifts as a part of something bigger. Even King Herod, nasty King Herod, though he didn't want to be a part of this story, finds himself having to submit to the schemes of the angels and keep the story going. And then there is John, who when Jesus comes to be baptized with every fabric of his being says, oh, no, 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 no. I ain't a part of this story. 
This isn't what the kingdom is about. If there's anyone who's going to be stooping, it's going to be me. And Jesus says, that's the point. The kingdom starts for all of us when we stoop. The kingdom starts even for me when I stoop. For this is what the kingdom of heaven is. It is the kingdom of stooping. The new kingdom starts when the new king bows down. That's how good news begins. Now, that's different than what we might expect. 2015 will be the year of political announcements. Throughout this upcoming year, we will hear week to week, month to month, about a yet another candidate who's decided to run for president, and, and those announcements will take place in big places with big crowds and big balloons and big music and big fanfare, and those candidates will mount their podiums and tell us how lucky America will be that he or she has decided to mount the throne. There will be no stooping. There will be no kneeling. There will be no humbling. That's not what that kingdom is about. But the kingdom of God gets its beginning from John the straight man, the baptizer, who says, I'm not worthy to stoop and untie his sandals. And Jesus says, you get it. But now's your turn, John, to stand, and now's your turn, my turn, to stoop. That's the way the kingdom of heaven begins. You see, the kingdom of heaven begins in you and me, not with some sense of false humility, not some needless cowering before a power-hungry king. Again, that's Herod's deal. No, the kingdom of heaven begins when we humbly claim our identity as children of God, not co-pilots with God, not representatives of God, not, not buddies with God. No, no, no. As children of God, dare we say as toddlers of God. It's not until we see ourselves as children of God that we get the wonder and the majesty of the Father. Phyllis Brooks, the great Boston preacher and composer of a little town of Bethlehem wrote once, the true way to be humble is not to stoop until you are smaller than yourself, but to stand at your real height against some higher nature that will show you the real smallness of your greatness. The real smallness of your greatness. You, you see, it's only when John can see Jesus for who he really is that he can see himself for who he really is and that he can later say about Jesus, he must increase and I must decrease. The first step in the good news for you and me is when we have a right view of ourselves, the smallness of our greatness. I love the story that Ralph Kiner, the great third baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates decades ago when he tells the story of how he went to the front office to meet with Branch Rickey, who at that point was owner of the Pirates, to demand a raise. He goes into the office, I had 37 home runs this year. I led the league in home runs. I want to raise, he said to Ricky. Ricky replied, Ralph, where'd we finish this year? Last, said Kiner. Well, 
I figure we can finish last with you or we could finish last without you. <laughs> the smallness of our greatness. Good news starts when we gain a right view of ourselves. Nelson Mandela spent 27 years in prison as a prisoner for the apartheid regime in South Africa. Most of that time he was in an eight foot by seven foot cell with a straw mat as his bed. He was allowed one letter and one visit per six months. In a matter of days though, he went from that to becoming first the vaulted leader of the anti-apartheid movement and then to becoming a candidate for president and then becoming the first democratically elected leader of that country and then to being a Nobel Prize winner and then to being a world leader all in a very short period of time and then at the top of his world popularity an incident occurred in a visit he made to Shanghai. Staying at a hotel there, Mandela was told that the hospital staff in that culture would consider it an affront if the former president would not allow them to make his bed. This was an issue because Mandela, as a matter of discipline and perspective and reminding himself who he really was, would never allow anyone to make his bed. He would insist always to make it himself. What to do? Well, Mandela asked if the staff of the hotel would be gracious enough to give him just a little bit of their time, especially the maids who were to make his bed, they did. And then he asked if they would extend him the honor of extending to them his appreciation for their service. And would they be kind enough to extend him one further service by allowing him to make his own bed? and they, by grace, agreed. The good news begins when you have a right view of yourself, the smallness of your greatness. Maybe Jesus had that in the back of his mind when he sat at table for the last time with his band of disciples, realizing that their little world was going to fall apart with betrayals and denials and doubts and fleeing. Maybe Jesus remembered back way to the beginning when John saw the kingdom coming. And because none of those men around that table were worthy even to stoop and untie his sandals, Jesus knew what he had to do, stoop and untie theirs. With towel and basin in hand, he washed their feet with maybe a new baptism. Oh, no, says Peter, like John. Oh, no, 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 not me, he says. And Jesus says, yes, you. You have no part in me unless you allow me to stoop below you. Good news begins when you have a clear and right view of yourself. What was it that Meadowlark Lemon said of red clots, if anybody calls red a loser? They're missing the point. No one remembers the final score. They only remember the laughter. So who had the laugh when in 1881, not long after Booker T. Washington came to be the new president of Tuskegee University, he was walking through the nicer part of town and a woman on her porch thinking that he was the hired help called out to the professor, would you please come and chop wood for me, sir? 
Without missing a beat, the professor walked over, took off his coat, and started chopping. When a good pile had assembled, he took it into the house and went on his way. Later, the woman's daughter asked her mother if she knew what she had just done. She had just asked the president of the local college to chop her some wood. The woman was mortified and the next morning appeared in Washington's office apologizing profusely. She said repeatedly, I, I didn't know who it was I put to work. Washington replied, it's entirely all right, madam. I like to work and I'm delighted to do favors for my friends and neighbors. Who had the laugh? It's not the final score that matters. It's the laughter they remember. The smallness of your greatness. May we join together in this journey that God has us on. May we share in his story. May we love. May we be the people that he has called us to be. After the benediction, we invite you to be seated to enjoy our postlude provided by Cecilia Ghosh. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you 
Amen. Thank you.